Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, good Saturday morning, and to those of you, last weekend was Mother's Day, now we headed in June for Father's Day, and spring is showing her face more and more and more, so I want to welcome you guys to this, it's cloudy here in Philly, um, we probably could use the rain because we haven't had a lot of rain here, but it's still a gorgeous, gorgeous Saturday, er, early Saturday afternoon at 11 o'clock. I want to welcome all of you to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday, May the 18th, and thank you so much again for joining us and to our loyal listeners. Every time I do this show, this touches my heart when I think about you. We're going into our 10th year. I never even thought I'd have a radio show, first of all, and it came about so accidentally. I was actually trying to schedule an interview for myself with a radio station, and they said, why don't you just start your own show? And that's how this started with Blake Radio, Neil Blake, out of New York, almost 10 years ago. Somebody told me 10 years, and there are listeners who've been with us every step of the way, and I thank you. Thank you, thank you. For those who are tuning in for the first time, you're just looking for something to do on a Saturday morning, and you stumbled over to Off the Shelf. I am so glad you did just that. Well, I want to introduce myself to you so you don't sit there and wonder, who is this lady talking? I am your host today, Denise Turney, the host of Off the Shelf. And as I always say, I am coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And I encourage you not to let another day pass before you pick up a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me, Mystery, Romance, High Chasings, Friendships, and Loads and Loads of Entertainment. That's what you're going to get. And love pour over me. The ebook is only three dollars and three cents, and you can get it in print or an ebook, online or offline, anywhere. If you don't see it in the bookstores, just ask the clerk for it. They can get a copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And now, and now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today is Monifa Robinson Groover. Monifa is an author. She's a coach and a speaker. She is also the author of the books Within Your Reach, Inspiration That Quiets the Mind and Soothes the Soul, and Change Beyond the Pain. And Monifa is a New York native. She grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. She has a bachelor's degree in psychology from Clark Atlanta University and a master's degree in social work from Smith College. She also has a master's in public administration from Troy State University. She's a wife and a member of New Covenant Holiness Church, where her husband, Jamie Groover, is the pastor Talk about having your hands full. And this creative dynamo is online at withinyourreach.org. Now, isn't that something easy to remember? And that's spelled just the way it sounds, withinyourreach.org, withinyourreach.org. We are so happy to have her with us this morning on Off the Shelf. Welcome, welcome to Off the Shelf, Monifa. Thank you for having me, Denise. We are so, so happy to have you with us and want to dig in and, and get as many gems as we can for our off-the-shelf listeners, those tuning in live right now, and those who will tune in to the archives over the next days, weeks, months, and if we stay here, years, to be able to hear your interview over and over and the, the things you share with them, the things you share with us that can help them move their lives forward. So to begin, I wanted to ask you, what was life like for Monifa growing up in New York during your formative years? Oh, you know, life was good. You know, I know, you know, a lot of people have traumatic stories. I thank God that overall, I mean, you know, you have things happen, but overall life was good. You know, I grew up in, in New York, moved to uh, New Jersey, claimed Jersey really the most because that's where I spent most of my time, even after growing up in my adult years as well, before going away to school. Um, you know, I had one sister, you know, both parents, everything was good. God-fearing parents, so I thank God for that. Uh, everything was good. 
that 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 is a blessing to be able to yeah and and, and I think it is good now everybody has to have tragedy I think it's better not to have it and I think people who've had it would probably agree with that that they if they had a choice they would have <laughs> foregone it so that's it's good that you can share that I actually work uh, three days a week in 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 the city and I go through Midtown Times Square et cetera. And uh, so it made me think about that as I'm asking you about what it was like growing up in the um, New York, New Jersey area because they're right, you know, a skip hop away from each other. How old were you when your family moved to Teaneck? I know you said you you, you claim New Jersey as your home. And how did that move when we talk going going more about the within your reach, et cetera, how did that move? That probably was, I'm guessing, one of the first major life changes you experienced. How did that move bring more change into your life? Oh, wow. I think I was probably in the fifth grade when we moved uh, okay. to New Jersey. So, you know, still fairly young, but old enough to have a few friends and not want to leave your friends behind. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, wonder how the new life and a new school was going to be, how the, you know, other kids were going to be around you. Um, and, you know, but I, because my parents worked in the city, I think the transition was a lot smoother. So it wasn't like, and, and like you're in Philly, so you know it's a hop, skip, and a jump, you know. Mm-hmm. Um to, to just kind of drive across the bridge or just take this major highway and you're in, we were probably about 15, 20 minutes from New York City. So we always went over there. You know, my parents worked over there, even though we lived in Jersey. Um, you know, we went to church over in New York. So going and, and just growing up in that area, you know, it was really nothing for our parents to allow us to even go back and forth across the bridge, you know. So it wasn't like uh, it was a significant cutoff from what we knew growing up, you know. So the transition was fairly smooth, I would say. Okay, okay. Well, that was a, you must have, we'll see as we go through the interview how well you continued to adapt to change. It sounded like that first big change you you. You took it in stride. What pulled you toward psychology? Why of all the majors, and there are so many majors, I don't even know how college students decide what they want to major in. There's so many things to choose from. But why did you choose psychology over all the many, many other majors that were available for for you to choose from? Well, you know, I was always bad with statistics and math. <laughs> so even though I loved business, um, I I really, really was also drawn to just people and just wanting to help people and wondering how, why people think the way they do, um, you know. So that's probably the main reason that I was drawn to the psychology uh, field. But because I also loved business and I wasn't that great with the uh, statistics and the math, I also took the route of getting the public administration degree, which allowed me to pursue some uh, management and leadership courses to give me that piece of the business world that I really enjoyed. So just really wanting to incorporate and just loving, you know, people in terms of why why would they do that or what makes them think that way or what makes them tick? Mm. You know, just kind of wanting to know all that just kind of, intrigued me. So that's the main reason that I went towards psychology. Just an interest. I know growing up in New York, you I don't know if you were in Manhattan or one of, probably I'm thinking one of the boroughs, mm-hmm. but wherever you are, just seeing people do either strange things or just whatever they do that, that could pique that interest almost in anyone. But I always wonder why people pick the majors that they pick. I think it tells a lot about us the choices that the things we feel drawn to two questions um as we go into like the books you write i'm sure all your life preparation have a part in what you've been able to produce as a writer but have you ever practiced and treated clients as a licensed therapist Oh, yes. Um, um, My background is also a master's in social work, and I do have my license in clinical social work. So I have, um, for a major part of my career, done licensed counseling therapy, you know, with individuals. Um, 
in, in different arenas. You know, I've worked in substance abuse. I've worked with those clients. I've also worked in the criminal justice system with uh, inmates, those particular clients. You know, so I, I definitely have had um, some experience in that area. Where where we as we as we go further into our interview for our off the shelf listeners, I think about the titles of Monifa's books again, Change Beyond the Pain. Uh I have two friends who worked in social work and not only say it's stressful, it is rewarding that you help people, but you see uh, an incredible amount of pain. So I think it's interesting as we go forward with the interview and sharing your background when you talk about, you know, some of your first-hand experiences or authority to write these books, Change Beyond the Pain and Within Your Reach, Inspiration That Quiets the Mind and Soothes the Soul. Just being a social worker <laughs> qualify. <laughs> In your work, Monifa, how much did you learn about the subconscious mind when you were pursuing your psychology degree and in your work, your social work? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you you sit in classes and, and and not just classes but the actual work that you do you realize how much power and there is in the mind and i think most people in general don't really realize how powerful the mind is but it mm-hmm. is powerful even the subconscious pieces because sometimes we do and say things and we really are not Tuned in. I'm not saying that we don't know if we sit down and think about it, but I think at, at the time, a lot of times we're really not tuned in to why we're doing what we're doing. A lot of things become habit. A lot of things are so natural, and we think it's just normal for us. But a lot of it, a lot of our behavior and our thought process is rooted in the subconscious, and a lot of mm-hmm. that is because of our past experiences and the way we may have been brought up or, or the things that we're learning in society now. We, we just don't really grasp a hold of how powerful and how much information is taken in and stored and then kind of if I if you allow me to say trickled into our DNA, so to speak, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know that causes us to to do some of the things that we do. So the subconscious mind is extremely powerful, and I really think that you know you can sit in class all day long and get the degree, but once you get out there and do the work, that's mm. when you really see not to do the work with other people, but when you also start doing the work on yourself. And I know you'll get into oh, that yeah. later, but you know, when you also start doing the work on yourself, that's when you really see, wow, my mind is more powerful than I even give it credit for. Yeah, because if you have, like, I think about when Christ said, speak to the mountain. The mountain is not a mountain external. It's an internal mountain. And it takes mm-hmm. us years because we, we generally think all our problems are, it's him, it's her, it's this. No, 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 no. That's an internal mountain. Speak <laughs> to mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a mental block that's in, a mental block of belief that maybe you we put up because we think we had an experience. We're not supposed to interpret our experiences. I think the Holy Spirit is supposed to do that. We interpret things wrong, and then and then we give it a meaning that's wrong, and then we say so. All this is wrong at the foundation. Then we say now to protect myself, I must do this. <laughs> this is what Adam and Eve did. And then it's even more wrong. We're just going wrong, 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 wrong. And we think we're doing right because we think we're protecting ourselves, which is where trust comes in. And then and then we've got a mountain. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. and then, then we create we more mountains. <laughs> and then we, we, we find ourselves going so far in the certain areas of our lives, and we stop because you're right there at the mountain. And then you mm-hmm. go f- back, and we go so far again, and we stop. Because you're at the mountain, mm-hmm. you got to, and that that's that internal. What you said, the subconscious, and the, the subconscious, the tricky thing. You can you can see it in your dreams. Some things come up in your dreams, and you can see it in how you feel about stuff, especially when you don't know why is this bothering me. It's something in the subconscious. Why do you think we have a subconscious mind, Monifa? And do you think most of us? I think you already answered this. Realize how much. Our interpretations that are wrong of things, the ways we think we should protect ourselves are wrong. Do we realize how much this impacts 
our lives? And why do we even have a subconscious mind? Thoughts that are hidden from why? us. <laughs> well, you know, I that's a good question. You know, I think that um I, I think that, you know, we're spiritual beings in this fleshly body and you know, I think sometimes the world might call it a subconscious mind, but I think the more we walk our walk through with Christ, the more we look at it as a spiritual thing, you know, and there because there are a lot of things in the word tells us that that are taking place in the spiritual world, and if you think about it, our subconscious mind there's that fight going on sometimes, or there are certain things that come up, and then it kind of manifests itself in the natural in our behavior or in our thought process. And and like you said earlier, we have to kind of be careful because, it, you know, uh, we don't realize how powerful our subconscious is. And if we are not tuned into the spirit of God, we will just make decisions based on our emotions. We'll make decisions based on, um, you know, just how we feel. And then, like you said, we, you know, we're already experiencing experiencing a lot of tragedy in life and so mm-hmm. let me fix it this way you know I, yeah. I think i should do this you know when really mm-hmm. you should be tapping into what does god say i should do or how does god see my what i call a problem you know how does god see this as you know the opportunity to show himself you know mm-hmm. strong in my situation so yeah. but yeah we don't realize how powerful you know uh the spirit is within us you know, mm-hmm. and how you know how we need to connect to that. Yeah, and 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 I like that the title of the Within Your Reach book because you know even if you just sit still for a few minutes, because that still small voice that it's not going to come through when the ego is screaming, you're not going to hear it. So it, we to get still to get quiet, to quiet the mind. So it's not just chatter, 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 chatter all the time. That's when we can. Some things can bubble up and bubble through. I tell you, this is a process for anybody who's been through a process. Oh my goodness! Yes. Now you, you work with the criminal justice system and people dealing with. You said like earlier substance abuse. What what type of work do you do? Do you go into the prisons, the jails? What type of work do you do in these fields? Well, currently, I I work with the military uh, in counseling soldiers and their family members. Oh, um, my goodness. Bless some... you. <laughs> no, I don't bless you. Yeah, I used to be in the Navy. Bless you. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, so that's what I currently do. You know, some of my prior experiences has been have been in the criminal justice system and with substance abuse clients and, you know, like you were saying earlier, you see so much pain that comes through, mm. you know, and the pain doesn't always manifest itself in someone sitting in a corner balled up crying. You know, sometimes the pain shows itself in anger. Sometimes it shows itself in fear. You know, sometimes it comes up in anxiety, you know, worry. You know, you see so much that comes through the door and you realize that there is a lot of pain and a lot of it is not just tangible or something that you can put your finger on. A lot of it are situations that have occurred or happened in people's lives and now the pain, because of that situation, the pain is more emotional, which is harder to tap into. You know, especially mm. if you're trying to help somebody. The pain is more emotional. It's more mental. It's more spiritual. You know, somebody can get cut physically, and guess what? Yeah, you might see a scar after the doctor has kind of, you know, stitched them up and taken care of them. But a lot of times people are also able to hide their pain or they just show it in ways, their emotional pain, they show it in ways that are just... um just kind of unhealthy, and you'll be surprised at when you really have an opportunity to sit down with somebody and they they open up to you and they trust you, you'll be surprised at how the emotional scars 
just take them and they, it stagnates them. It keeps them stuck. It keeps them in these cycles of mm. doing things that are constantly taking them backwards or hurting them or hurting others. You know, the emotional pain that we feel and the spiritual and mental pain that we feel a lot of times is so much greater than any physical tragedy that can happen. Because if you think about it, if you get into a car accident, you'll feel the pain, you can get some medicine, you'll feel better hopefully, um, you know, you go to therapy or whatever you need to do physically. But a lot of times once a person is physically healed, they still are dealing with the emotional scars and wounds from that accident or from that tragedy. But nobody mm. really talks about it. Well, yeah. I don't say nobody, but a lot of people don't talk about it. You know, both of my books are yeah, both of my books are spiritually based, so everything okay. is based on the, you know the Word of God. But mm-hmm. a lot of people, even people in the church, don't talk about their emotional scars because fear of judgment, yeah. um, feeling feeling that they need to to live up to the expectation of what a Christian person is supposed to do and feel and and, and what they're not supposed to feel. And, you know, and so therefore I think a lot of people stay in these painful stages a lot longer than they need to because Mm. they have... They don't. They feel like they don't have anybody to talk to, you know. And then when they talk to somebody, you know, then the person, the time, especially if they gossip it. Yes, I was just gonna say, you know, if they talk to yeah. somebody, then uh, they have the time before they can lay their head down that night. Uh, their business is in the street. Yeah, you know, so it's. It it becomes a point, and, and that's what happened to me. Even in Change Beyond the Pain, uh, you know, I wrote that book as a result of my father passing away. And Mm. it it talks a lot about a lot of these spiritual uh, lessons that I learned after he passed away. Now, I grew up in the church, Denise, you know. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a holiness church, so I can tell you the lingo. You know, I was never good at at the the fancy footwork, so I wasn't doing all the shouting, but I've seen, (laughs) you know, shouting and you know, Mm -hmm. I've seen the the speaking in tongues and everything. So Mm -hmm. growing up in a holiness church, And being taught a certain way, um, when you go through certain things, and this may not be for everybody, but this is for me, you know, when you go through certain things, there's certain things that you keep to yourself because there's an expectation, or at least you feel there's an expectation placed on you because you have been taught the truth. You have been taught the word, you know. Yeah. So growing up in the church, when my father passed away, you know, I've had different trials along life, right? You know, life mm-hmm. journey. You know, I mean, I'm I'm 40 years old, so yeah, I've had some trials. Right. I'm not, right. you know, but when my father passed away, that was one of those trials that stopped me right where I was, and mm. it actually made me. I mean, when I say I I literally got to a point where I even questioned God's existence. Wow. You know, I mean, I now grant mind you, I grew up in the church. If anybody right. told me they didn't believe in God, I was just like, Something wrong with you, you you know, that right. you know, I'm just you know, but now I got to a point where something happened and the foundation upon which I grew up in, you know, was, was being trusted and it was shaking. Yeah. And it's like, okay, do you really believe me? Do you really have a relationship with me, meaning God, or do you really just have a relationship with the building you've been going to? Mm. You know, and so there were a lot of questions that I had. And, I mean, like I said, I went from you couldn't shake my faith to now I'm wondering if God even exists, you know. And so, you know, I, I tell people, I even say it in the book, you know, one time I was in church and the spirit was high. The praise team was singing, everybody up, you know, clapping, shouting, or doing some combination, you know. And I'm clapping and singing, but in my mind at this point, I'm thinking, I'm I'm doing all this clapping and I'm praising God, but does he really exist? And mm. then I remember looking around the church 
And I remember saying to myself, and I'm still clapping now. You would never know this is right. going on in my mind. Right. You know, and I'm looking around the church, and I said, wow, I wonder how many people in here are just <laughs> like me. You know, but you, but the good thing is, Monique, before we start talking about Within Your Reach and and, uh-huh. and, 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 and your other book is um, – I think your experience could help you help other people more. See, before when you just said if you don't believe, it was almost like you had this hard line drawn, and if somebody wasn't on this side that uh-huh. you, that you where you thought, but now you can you could cross, not like change, and keep, you keep your faith, but you can understand somebody mm-hmm. who's gone through a lot of pain. You now could understand. Maybe before you emphasized with them, but you didn't really understand. Now I think it would help you in your work better because now you can have a deeper connection with somebody. I think that's a good, mm-hmm. from listening to you, that I see that could come through that experience. It might have been God, even if our doubt and our faith in God doesn't create God. So we cannot even believe there's a God. It doesn't mean God doesn't exist. Right, God right. Hold up under anything. So that, I think, was those things are for us, I think, and they can help us as we help others going forward, and you made it through. Can you give our off-the-shelf listeners an overview of Within Your Reach, inspiration that quiets the mind and soothes the soul? Is it a workbook? Or what type of topics do you cover in the book? Did you do research for it? Can you give them just an overview of it? Sure. Uh, Within Your Reach, inspiration that quiets the mind and soothes the soul, really takes, it's like a devotional, and it takes everyday emotions and everyday feelings, and it gives you practical and biblically-based devotions and, and and ways to kind of move past it. So it takes feelings like fear, um, anxiety, worry, sadness, and it just kind of gives bursts of inspiration uh, along with a little... Uh, section after each devotion where you can write down your thoughts and feelings regarding where you are in that emotional space and and asking God to take you to the next level of healing in that area. So it's just a nice little pocket-sized devotional people can pick up. Okay. Now, do you in your in the in the book the devotional within your reach inspiration that quiets the mind and soothes the soul? Do you share stories? And I'm thinking for some reason. Guidepost popped into my head, although it's not a devotional, I know it's a magazine. But I used to love to read those stories, and it might have been another magazine. But do you share personal stories of your own, personal stories of other people in in within your reach, inspiration that quiets the mind and soothes the soul? Not in that particular book. In that particular book, it's strictly just general inspirational devotionals, one-pagers uh, for each emotion that really just speaks to that particular emotion helping people get through. So not okay. specifically in that book. Mm-hmm. And what have readers been saying to you about uh, within your reach, inspiration that quiets the mind and soothes the soul? What type of feedback have they been giving you about the book? They like the practicality of it. They they like the simplicity. They like the fact that um, it's something that they can pick up, you know, read re- relatively quickly. You know, pick a, pick a, an emotion or a devotional part of it and and just read relatively quickly before they start their day. So they really like the simplicity of it. They also like uh, the fact that after each devotion, I have some lines uh, where they can just write their thoughts and feelings down, you know. So they really like that piece. Okay, okay. And do you find when you say that, it made me think about this, do you find that with the clients you've worked with, you said some in the military in the past in the criminal justice system. Do you find that writing down your feelings and thoughts is a good way to heal and move forward? For a lot of people, yes. Um, you'll be surprised. You know, a lot of people don't have ways to express themselves. Or they don't have people to talk to. Or even if they do, you know, just me writing this particular uh, book, both of them, you know, has been healing for me as well. You know, and I even go back and read some of the stuff that was written. Okay. So I think, yeah, I do. I, <laughs> you know, and and so I I think that.
for a lot of people, it may not be for everybody, but I think for a lot of people, writing down what you're thinking, what you're feeling, is definitely very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, I would concur. And I think as you, if you write without editing, without saying, don't don't write that. Nobody's looking. If you just write uh-huh. it down or or type it up, certain things may, especially if you do it. Uh, consistently you may notice that you're focusing on certain themes during certain periods you might notice things about yourself again to let you see what your subconscious is thinking about and writing down your dreams because that's all the subconscious work now now Mm -hmm. do you take Mm -hmm. do you take a more in-depth look we talked about within your reach the devotional inspiration that quiets the mind of Susan Soul, where you 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 take on certain topics and then you you discuss them in, in a one pager and leave a space for the reader to share their own personal thoughts about that topic. Now, do you take a more in depth look at overcoming painful experiences and change beyond the pain? And if so, how how do you do this? Most definitely. Change Beyond the Pain is not one of those books that you can just sit down and just read like a novel. (laughs) You You know, it's one of those books that you sit down, you start reading, and you're like, oh, wow, I need to digest that. You know, I tell people, have your Bible handy, have your uh, highlighter, have your pen ready. You know, it's a book that requires you to uh, eat a little slowly, (laughs) you know, so that you Mm -hmm. can digest it, you know, because I would say within your reach, uh, the first book is probably more like milk, if you want to talk about stages. Okay. And this Change Beyond the Pain does get a little bit more or a lot more into the meat of the matter. Okay. And so realizing that people go through painful situations, we take a look at what is it, you know, that's really going on, you know, and not only that, at the end of each chapter, I have a series of questions, and we're actually coming out with a a more in-depth workbook for Change Beyond the Pain, but I have a series of questions at the end of each chapter that forces the reader, if they're ready to to move into the next phase of their spiritual walk, it forces the reader to really look at where they are, the truth of where they are in their lives spiritually and, and, and mentally and physically, and the truth of what needs to be done to get to where God wants us to be. So we cover mm. topics like what does it really mean to surrender? What does it uh, really mean to have faith? You know, mm-hmm. um, that's a big one. You know, another topic we cover is the power and purpose in pain, which is a huge one. You know, so those are just a few of the topics we cover. But at the end of each chapter, like I said, there are questions. Uh, we have a, a list of questions entitled your life is worth examining and and the mm. reader is forced to sit down and actually answer the questions hopefully in a truthful manner <laughs> right because it, it lying isn't going to get you anywhere <laughs> right <laughs> just, you just don't you don't go forward when you lie it you don't you don't you know i I can remember years ago when whenever fear crops up, the first thing, and I think as humans we've probably been doing this since ages past, the first thing that crops up when fear comes is I've got to protect myself. And one of the ways many of us do, we either run and hide, I have nothing to do with it, or <laughs> we lie. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. just, but as soon as fear shows its face, it's i got to protect myself. I either got to run or I've got to lie, and in some in some cases I've got to attack. I've got to I've got to really come out swinging. It's it's just one of those options. Mm-hmm. Domestic violence: a person who commits domestic mm-hmm. violence just drenched in fear, and that's the attack response time and again, time and again. Now, how do you blend biblical knowledge with your psychology, your social work training? to speak to so many people and change beyond the pain. How do you blend all three of those? That is a really good question. Uh, Let's see. I, you know, 
one of the things that I realized as I've gotten more mature in my walk um, was, and, and and this, if you want me to really be honest, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, we learn um, in the field of psychology and social work um, mm-hmm. are very helpful in terms of the practical uh, things that we need to to know to help people get mm-hmm. through various mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. I think they're very important, you know, if, you know, if someone's addicted to substances, you know, there's some practical things that, and practical ways that we can work with that person and things we can help them do or exercises that we can give them or assignments we can give them to help them to, to begin to live a different lifestyle. But mm-hmm. the other thing as I've grown in my walk with Christ is that there's the spiritual piece that's mm-hmm. left out of the secular world you know, and that spiritual piece is really where the true healing begins. You Except know, for and, uh, 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 Alcoholic Anonymous, they do use that in theirs. I think they do. Yeah, they do. Uh, they do use um, the twelve steps and and all that. Yes, you know, um, and so that's that's good because a lot of places don't use that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do find that. Well, I've found that in the work that I've done that I can give people tools to mm-hmm. help them live maybe a better, what seems to be a better life in terms of what mm-hmm. people can see. Mm-hmm. But if I really wanted people to really move beyond the pain of what they've gone through and really live life, there's that spiritual element that has to be implemented because there are things, obviously, that God can do that we can't do for ourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have plenty of people that have stopped, I mean, and I'm just using substances as an example today, but mm-hmm. you, know, you have plenty of people that have stopped using drugs and alcohol or that have stopped doing uh, gambling or that have stopped doing things that might have been detrimental to them physically, um, mm-hmm. but they're still be- really hurt and, and full of pain yeah, yeah, and on I, the yeah. inside. Right. You know, so it's like on the, and we see this all the time with people that look like they have it going on, millionaires and billionaires. And we say to ourselves that, well, they had everything. They had the family. They had the money. They had the businesses. They were able to travel. They had all the things they wanted. All they had to do was ask. Yet and still they turn around and commit suicide because that emotional mm. pain of whatever was currently going on or had gone on in their lives was overpowering. And so mm. I realized as I grew in my walk with Christ that it it was important for God to be the foundation of someone's healing process, yeah. you know, and giving them that spiritual and the biblical word in terms of healing, but also giving them some practical approaches. Because like I said, I grew up in church. And when mm-hmm. people are going through, you know, a lot of times you hear church people say, oh, just pray about it. Oh, right. just have faith. You know, but for some people, you'll notice that they might need a little more instruction. You know, like, okay, just pray about it. Well, what happens when I don't feel like praying? Or, okay, well, just have faith. Well, what happens when my faith is really kind of wavering right now? Or I'm not sure what I believe. Or, you know, and then you'll find the people that say just have faith or just believe it or, or just what have you. You'll find that a lot of times they have difficulty even walking people through the process. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I, when you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no. When you were saying oh, okay. that, I, I, this Bible, the Bible story about, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't remember if it was Christ. For some reason, I think it was a disciple that told the guy to go dip in. I think it was the Jordan seven times, or 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 was somebody had mud? I think put on their eyes. Different practical steps that went beyond just pray about it. Different practical mm-hmm. steps that were taken in Scripture. The, the 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 widow and her son and the the prophet visited and told her, you know, go ask your neighbors for as many empty jars 
these are practical things. These are not just go pray about it steps. So I can see, you know, that made me think about that with what you do. You yeah, know, and I think it's steps. important. Yeah, I, I, and mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, and I think from my own personal experience, and when I say personal experience, I don't mean from working with other people. I mean from just going through different things myself and feeling mm-hmm. like I needed something, you know, I just I just really believe that that was one of the things that God, areas that God had called me to do in terms of working with people is not just to give them a just pray about it solution. You right. know, really give them practical steps to go along with the word. How do you mm-hmm. work the word? Right. <laughs> you know, the word is really doing all the work, but there's still some things we have to do. You know, if yes. I'm addicted to drugs, yes, God is the one that ultimately heals me, taking away that desire and, and you know, for the drug. But uh, I need to make sure I don't go into the drug dealer's neighborhood. You know, he's not going right. to stop my feet from going over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's right. still yeah, that's that true. have to do. Yep. Now, now, what are some easy steps we can, we can our off-the-shelf listeners can start using to incorporate in in our daily lives to move beyond any painful experiences our listeners people listening now who might listen a year from now might experience i think one of the first things that we have to remember is it's a mind thing you know and it's always easier and i think this is human nature it's always easier to focus on the negative versus the positive, no matter what it is. And so one of the things that I think we can do, and it takes time and it takes practice, and sometimes we have to do it over and over and over again, but one of the things that we can do is if we encounter a negative situation, we have to stop ourselves. We have to learn how to stop ourselves and start to look at that thing differently. Is this a problem or is this an opportunity? Mm. You know, and it sounds like, oh, you know, that's easy. I hear that all the time. Yeah, easier said than done, though. You know, right. and you'll find that some people, you'll have two people that go through the exact same thing, but they might have totally different responses. It's about our perspective. It's about the lens that we see things through. How do I mm. view the situation that I'm in? So one practical, and the Bible talks about renewing our minds. You know, one practical approach to starting to renew our minds is when that negative thing pops up or when we're in that negative situation. I'm not saying let's not look at the reality of what's going on. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to be wise, you know, but in order to not get stuck emotionally or in order to get to a point where we can't move beyond our situation. Because what if your situation Mm -hmm. doesn't change? How do you think about Mm. it? You know, so if your situation never changes, does that mean you have to stay in the same thought process, the same mindset, the same behavior that you've been doing? No. So one of the things that we can do practically is learn how to, what we call in, in the psychology and social work field, thought blocking. We have to stop, start blocking those negative thoughts and integrate positive things. Okay. Now, yeah, the negative is going to pop back up, but we need to start mm-hmm. blocking that again and keep throwing that positive right back at it. Mm. Yeah, you know, Joyce Meyer was on to it, the battle of the... <laughs> she, oh, yeah. She was on to something. She had the bullseye on that one. Yes. Are there any other one or two tips you can share with our listeners? Something that might benefit people either today, or like I said, a year or more from now, they might it might be the answer they're looking for. Oh, uh, one of the things, um, one of the chapters we talk about is faith. Um, you know, I, I talk about faith. Here's a simple equation: faith equals movement. A lot of times people say think that faith is about just saying that I believe or I believe mm-hmm. in my heart, but really I don't know what you believe unless I see what you're doing. So you can tell me you believe wow. but I really only know what you believe based on the life you live or wow. the actions that you have. So I talk a lot about how uh, one of the things faith is about is movement. You know, faith does not act on how reasonable uh, 
the things of God may sound or may not sound to you. It acts on the fact that God just said it. Mm. You know, so faith is about movement. We really know. I, I I know more. I know I can almost, if I'm around you enough, I can tell what type of faith you have based on what you do, the life you live, the decisions you make. So wow. faith is about movement. You know. Wow. Um, yeah. That, that's one yeah. of them. The other one, we, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, 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 that's the first time I've heard that, but I agree with it. It makes me think of the faith without works is dead. It, yeah, if somebody says, I have faith that God's going to get me a job, but they never apply for a job, then you got to wonder. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And, and, and even with faith, sometimes, and I get into this and change beyond the pain as well, you know, sometimes you're like, you know, well, I believe. You know, and and it hasn't happened. Well, let me ask you. You know, what do you believe in? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, you know it really. You know that chapter really gets into what are we believing? Are we believing for the things that God wants for us? Or are we just believing because God God doesn't attach Himself to our agenda. <laughs> we attach ourselves to His agenda. So right. when I when the Bible talks about. Uh, uh, just ask and it shall be given, you know, <laughs> we have to really understand. We have to kind of gain the wisdom that comes along and, and the understanding that comes along with it because, first of all, if we're children of God, we're really only going to want the things that God wants for us. So those are really the things that ultimately we should be asking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, even if, you know, and and I had to learn this even with my father's death. You know, I used to think, you know, the Bible just, you know, said, "Ask and it shall be given." Well, I I asked him to save my father's life. Yeah. And he he died, but I right. asked you for a car, and you gave that to me. I'm not right. understanding the logic, God. You know, these are some of the things that really went through my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. I had to learn that everything is still within God's will, and at and at there is an appointed time where everyone, <laughs> you know, well, they gonna step out of these bodies. Yeah, it's like putting yes. on a coat. You gotta take it off at some point. <laughs> we're we're but in beings. You know, your father still exists. It's just he's not in a body. He he still exists. It doesn't. He didn't like not exist anymore. We're spiritual beings. I, I believe we're eternal beings. I, I I really do believe that. And the scriptures say we going we going to spend eternity somewhere. We you just step out of we're so body conscious too that when people step out of their bodies, we're devastated. And and it's it's understandable. It really is. If and I guess as we become, I don't know, because God doesn't have a body. I told my sister. Uh, I said, you know what? If the body had power, God would have one. <laughs> I mean, and, and you're right, and I and I had to grow into understanding. See, mm-hmm. I, a lot of times I took I took that scripture literal. I mean, and you can, yeah. you know, but I had to yeah I had to grow into what that really meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and so, you did. Yeah, you did. and there are a lot of people that that have to get more understanding. You know, right. and I mean, we all do. We all do. I mean, where yeah. I am now, I tell people, you, even you so right, that Monifa, I for, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like I could take this book that I wrote, mm-hmm. and if I wrote on the exact same chapters five years from now, I should have a deeper understanding and revelation of yeah. what God is trying to teach me wow. about surrender, about faith, wow. about power, about his purpose, about his will. So it's not that, you know, some people might look at the chapters and say, oh, well, she's talking about surrender. I got that. Or she's talking about faith. I got that thing down. Or she's talking about love. I got my love walk down. You know, Mm. yeah, you know, but I always say these are the type of lessons that they they don't end. You constantly grow in these areas. So no matter where you are in your walk, in, in with these lessons, God is all. If you're especially if you're a child of His, He's always going to turn around and tap you on your shoulder and say, "Okay, you did good, my child. Where you were now, it's time to come up a little higher." Mm. You know, so wherever you were in your love walk, I guarantee you, if you're a child of His, 
And it might not even be anything traumatic. I'm not saying it has to be something horrible. But he will, I believe, teach us and show us that no matter where we are, oh, man, I can love someone. I didn't realize I could feel this way. I didn't realize there was a deeper level of faith. You know, I didn't realize there was a deeper walk in terms of surrender. Mm. You know, I didn't realize his will was that deep and how what it means to understand his perfect will and his perfect timing. You know, so there's always another level. See, the book is about transformation. No matter where Mm -hmm. we are, we can always go higher. Oh, I agree with that 100%. And so to not think that we know it all, uh, you know, saying I've been in church 40 years, i got it all down. No, <laughs> no, no, no. So so I, I appreciate that you said that. And that's for anything. If you're in business or whatever you are, there is something else. You can still learn something or, or improve. I want to ask you with just about nine minutes left, does writing come naturally to you? I mean, you do a lot of things. So in talking about the writing, does that come naturally to you, or did you take professional courses before you sat down to write your books? It actually does come naturally. Um, I thank God. But, you know, the it, it, it's probably always been a gift, probably a gift that I didn't always embrace in the beginning, even from – you know, just writing a simple letter, you know, about or writing a paper in school, I would always prefer to write versus take an exam. <laughs> okay. You know, and, you know, people, you know, a lot of times would always call the house, you know, and tell my parents, oh, I have to write a letter for such and such, you know, can your daughter help me write it? Wow. You know, I you know, so writing wow. really has always come naturally for me, but I don't think I really embraced it, you know, until later years. I think I kind of just said, oh, they want me to do that. That's work, you know, even though I knew it would be easy. <laughs> like, why are you telling them not to do that? <laughs> you know, but um, now now I do embrace it, and I see, I really see the gift um I see the gift more for what it is, and I see, you know, how God can get the glory out of it. And and so I just, I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy okay. it. Okay. Actually, I'd rather write. It's the editing part that gets yeah. me. <laughs> okay. So I hire editors. I hire editors for that. But the writing yeah. part, I can do that easily, yeah. Thank God. Okay. Okay. I got a couple of quick questions I want to ask you as we come down to the last few or seven minutes. Now, I know you also offer coaching and seminars. I wanted to ask, how can anybody who's interested in ha- working with you through the coaching, the seminars, or they want to have you speak at at a church or another organizational event, how can they contact you, and are you accepting that kind of work? Uh, yes, I'm definitely accepting that type of work, and they can always reach me on my website, which is www.withinyourreach.org. They can also reach me on Facebook um, at Within Your Reach, or they can reach me on Twitter, WYR Ministries. So I'm definitely accessible. Anytime they want to reach out, they can feel free to do so. Okay. Are you working on any new material, any new books? Do you, are you pulling together any new uh, seminars or any events? And if so, can you let our off-the-shelf listeners give them a little a sneak peek into what you're working on? Sure. I'm actually currently working on a Change Beyond the Pain workbook, which is really going to be designed for individual groups, book clubs, ministry leaders, conference hosts, anybody that really, really wants to start uh, working on their on their walk. So that, that workbook should be coming this summer, 2013. Okay. And, al- yeah, and also uh, what we're doing is having a teleconference that is going to take place on June 10th and June 17th, and we're going to focus on Chapter 5 of the book entitled There is Power and Purpose in Your Pain. And this is going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome teleconference. You can um, find the information on my Facebook page, Within Your Reach. If you don't find it there, feel free to shoot me a message on Facebook or Twitter or through my website, withinyourreach.org, and I can get you more information. So that's coming up in a few weeks. So make sure you register because space is limited. 
Um, so those are a couple of things that we have coming up, and, and we're just looking forward to all the good things that God has for us. Wow, that sounds exciting. The June the 10th, June 17th teleconference, uh, Chapter 5 from, uh, uh, you said, from within the, in your reach? Is that for from that or change, change beyond, beyond the pain? From change Chapter beyond five, the pain. Change There's beyond power the pain. and purpose in the pain. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, that's June 10th, June 17th. You guys can hop over to Monika's website, which, again, is withinyourreach.org or over to her Facebook page on Within Your Reach and then to get to get more information on, and I'm sure she's going to post it on both her website and, and her Facebook, June 10th, June 17th, which is really right around the corner. It's less than a month away. And then she's working on a Change Beyond the Pain workbook, which she, she's uh, targeting to have out this summer, and that's just a few months away. So both, she's got a lot going on right now that's going to kick off uh, really, really soon. I want to ask you, how has writing books changed your life, Monifa? Wow, you know, the information, one of the things that I found is that even though I'm my name is on the cover and, and I'm sitting, I'm the one sitting at the computer physically to type, it really is the spirit that's, that's doing the writing, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So really the writing has been very healing for me. I am very truthful when I say, I have my own copy of Change Beyond the Pain. If anybody were to run into me right now and I had it with me, they would see it highlighted. They would see me having wow. it written in it. You know, I, because it is very healing, and I believe that it's healing because it really didn't come from me. Any time that I wrote when I was writing this book, any time that I felt like I had to think too hard about what I had to say, I absolutely stopped. Because I didn't want to have more of me in the book than the spirit. Mm. But any and any time that I wrote, and most of the time that I wrote, I literally just flowed with it. And I look back and I'm like, wow, God, you said all that? <laughs> that surely wasn't me. <laughs> so it's healing. It's been very healing. It's been very okay. healing. Well, to our off-the-shelf listeners, we thank all of us, thank um, Monifa Robinson-Groover for being here with us this morning as our special guest on Off the Shelf. She is the author of Change Beyond the Pain. She has the two teleconferences coming up, which you can schedule for June 10th and June 17th. Which they going to, she's going to focus on Chapter 5 of Change Beyond the Pain. Look for her Change Beyond the Pain workbook this summer, she's also the author of Within Your Reach, Inspiration That Quiets the Mind and Soothes the Soul, which is a, a devotional, which she, and the, under each of the topics, leaves a little area for you to share your own personal private thoughts. Again, her website is Within Your Reach, spelled just the way it sounds, withinyourreach.org. She's on Facebook, Within Your Reach, and she's also on Twitter. We thank her, thank her for being here with us today and certainly wish her the absolute and very best and encourage you guys to to support her uh, either whether you get her books through her website or Amazon.com or ask a library or bookstore for a copy of her book and participate in her teleconference. She also offers coaching and seminars and she says she's open to speaking at churches and different organizations in the criminal justice, et cetera, it could be family services, whatever you know, type of help events, she's open to doing that. And again, you can reach her at our website withinyourreach.org. I want to thank all of you, as I always do, every Saturday for being here with us at Off the Shelf. And I'm just truly grateful for the wonderful, wonderful guests that we continue to be able to bring to you. As I told you now, for over nine years, and I truly hope that that our listeners are so benefited so benefited and blessed whether they listen one time or you've listened for now over nine years by what the guests share, what the guests share here on Off the Shelf. I know Monifa shared some tips and advice on how we can move beyond, move beyond the pain, doing that thought blocking and stopping those negative thoughts and replacing them with positive thoughts. That's one tip she shared, and she shared some other things for those who want, may want to uh, – Listen to the show again and again after it's archived. You're more than welcome and encouraged to do so. As I always tell you, you are just 
absolutely amazing. I have to say that every week because we often forget. You are so incredible. You are awesome. And I encourage you to go and create a fabulous day for yourself. Focus on those positive things so they expand and show up and grow more in your life. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Thanks again to Manifa, to our listeners. See you here next Saturday, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your family, tell everybody. Tune in to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. Have a blessed, blessed day. Manifa, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now.